0: Kankakee Podcast is presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses. Celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. Learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Thankful for a they Time we won't give back, I know. These rivers carry. Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and this is our monthly episode where we team up with the Kankakee County Museum and we present something historical of nature and our county's rich history. Before we get to that topic, though, we always like to kind of highlight different things, that are happening at the Kankakee County Museum. There's always some fun events going on. Uh, we are joined, of course, by Jack Clacey. I should, uh, sorry, Jack, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here, as always. It's always great to have you here. So we've got the Allen Hampshire Art Show coming up on February 25th. That's going to be at the Museum The Breakfast Club, which is a children's book club, which is quite exciting, that starts January 28th, and then also February 25th, March 25th, April 22nd. Date night at the museum, which sounds like a lot of fun. Lizzie and I were literally, saw the announcement yesterday and thought that was a really cool idea. That's happening on February 11th. And then the Secret Life of Postcards Book Club and Meet the Author event is on February 18th. So if you want to get more information about any of these events, you can just go to com. You can also go to Facebook and their Instagram accounts as well. Jack, what are we talking about today?
1: We're talking today about the air age coming to Kankakee. Probably almost 100 years, and in some respects, if we think back even further, more than 100 years, there has been uh, some aerial activity in this area. Not necessarily an airport yet, but (laughs) the first aerial activity I think I can think of here was in 1901. There was a—and we don't know much about it other than there was a woman named Madame Paloma who— did a balloon ascension at the Kankakee District Fair in 1901. I would assume it was probably a tethered balloon. Otherwise, they'd have to chase her all over the, uh, the uh, all over the landscape to, to catch her when she came down.
0: Sounds like a fun, silent movie we'd go watch some afternoon I, at the I picture show, so. right? Yes.
1: <laughs> and The balloon ascensions in the about 1900 area were actually fairly common. There was, and I've forgotten his name, unfortunately, I think his name was Anderson but I'm not quite sure of that. Down in Chabance, he did balloon ascensions uh, as a living. He and his wife owned a small hotel in Chabance, but he would do balloon ascensions for fairs and other community activities. And his thing was he would go up in his hot air balloon along with his little dog, and after it reached a certain height, he would parachute back to the earth and let the balloon fly away, and they would go and recover it later on. With the dog come
0: with him? Yeah, he, he, oh, he
1: had the dog with him, and he parachuted down holding the dog. Yeah. And he was the great-grandfather of uh, one of our museum volunteer our Museum Volunteer of the Year, Terry Lavoy. That's his great-great-grandfather? <laughs> was, uh, I think great-great-great-grandfather, or Great no, great-great-grandfather, yes. Wow.
0: Gosh, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Little bits of
1: history that keep coming
0: around, you know. Yeah. Did he go around the whole country doing that?
1: No, pretty much uh, Illinois and maybe adjoining parts of Indiana, just uh, the north, relatively small area. But uh, he survived to old age, all that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky he didn't have any accidents that you know That's of right. anyway, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I, I had mentioned Madame Paloma in 1901. There was no such thing as a an airplane at that time. And in fact, the air age came to not just Kankakee, but the whole country and the whole world in uh, 1903, when a couple of guys, bicycle mechanics from Ohio named the Wright Brothers, managed the first powered flight at Kitty Hawk in North Carolina. And so, actually, the air age began uh, 120 years ago, apparently, roughly. Yeah, it's t- 2023. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm took a little while longer to get here.
0: Yeah, just a little <laughs> However,
1: bit. surprisingly, not that long. September 4th, 1910, was the first recorded takeoff and landing of an aircraft in Kankakee. A flight and landing, a uh, Frenchman named uh, Rene Simon, who was known as the Flying Fool, <laughs> uh, performed <laughs> acrobatics over the fairgrounds. Uh, uh, as a feature of the district fair, I think it was still the district fair, not the interstate fair at that time. But his connection, although he was from France, his connection to the area was very strong because he worked for an organization called the Moissant International Aviation Company. A couple of brothers who originally, the family originally from Mantino, Alfred and uh, and John Moissant got into aviation very early flying those you know fabric covered biplanes and so forth and they set up the Morrison International Aviation to do air shows around the, the country did very well with it that was probably sometime in 1910 or maybe 1909 they had a sister named Matilda and Matilda was a pioneer she was the second woman in the United States to earn a pilot's license. I remember you mentioning that yeah. on a previous episode yeah. before. After something like, I think, 30-some hours of uh, of airtime, she and her best friend Harriet Quimby took the exam together or did the preparation together, and Harriet got license number one and she got license number two. She was in Kankakee for that air show but didn't fly in that one. Oh, and another interesting thing in a way... John Moissant was sort of a uh, the equivalent of a rock star at that time. <laughs> Aviation was a really big thing, you know, and uh, pilots were just these cool guys and so forth. Unfortunately, uh, and I think this was very early in 1910, or somewhere in, or somewhere about that time, John was killed in an air show. He had a crash down in New Orleans. And for many, many years, the airport in New Orleans was Moissant Field until they changed it to Louis Armstrong International a number of years ago. Wow. But uh, talking about the rock star thing, the, the equivalent of bubblegum trading cards at that time were, were tobacco cards. And we have in the museum's collection a an actual tobacco card uh, for John Moissant with a portrait of him. And in the background, there's a little airplane flying across the sky. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. They went huh. on for quite a few years and of course that doesn't really qualify as the permanent beginning of the air age here. It was kind of transient. They came yeah. in and gone and and I think probably over the next couple
0: of years there were other aerial activities at the fairs and so forth. So the the Moissant family, they must have had uh, some type of airstrip at their farm in Mantino,
1: No, right? they hadn't or uh the, the farm in Mantino the the sons the, oh the three kids in fact uh, had relocated the sons were down in Brazil or something like that for a while doing some kind of business type of thing and a little bit of a hint of maybe uh, doing some revolutionary stuff or something okay uh, but they operated out of New York. Oh. Uh, for the air show business and okay. so forth. And they actually set up a pilot school on Long Island at one time and so a Pretty interesting story. I so did they a column on them a number of years back. So they weren't working out of Mantino? No, they, they weren't. They just They, they, to they be grew from... up there on the okay. farm and so forth. And, of course, there's still Moissants around town. Yes. Uh, one of their relatives, Shirley Moissant, who is a male Shirley, not a female Shirley, was a very prominent uh, insurance agent in town. Anyway, the... The brothers were kind of step one in uh, establishing the air age, sort of here, but the more permanently, another set of brothers. And these were Delbert and Martin Kerner. And they came from someplace a little further south, but I can't remember when. But they officially established the air age in Kankakee in the spring of 1927 when they landed their Waco biplane on a uh, a pasture about three miles southwest of Kankakee. They had bought a 40-acre farm there, and uh, they landed uh, their plane there. They had been doing a little bit of barnstorming work and so forth, but then they decided to settle there. They actually opened an airport, the first airport in this area. And they did a number of things. They did Eventually, they did pilot training. In fact, through the years, uh, Kerner Aviation has trained hundreds of pilots through the years. They're still a very active operation out there. It's a grass strip. It was not a, a paved runway, of course. No, it was fairly short because you're talking about pretty short takeoff and landing activities with, uh, with the old biplanes and later single-engine prop planes and so forth. In 1928, the year after they established the airport, they started running ads in the newspaper, and there's one they had, especially was a little ad, maybe four inches by four inches, but an ad in the paper with the, the word fly and four corners with an exclamation point, and the headline was, See Your City from the Air. And this is 1928. This is, you know, a long time ago. So was this just to, for a sightseeing? Yes. Uh, you know, it was a really cool idea to get it and fly in an airplane. Absolutely. Yeah. So they had, to, you know, on weekdays, uh, holidays, and Saturdays, they did flights. They published their prices and so forth. So the short ride was $1.50. Over the city, a little longer ride, I guess, was two fifty, And the long high ride was $5.00. Wow. No idea what the long high ride was as far as length.
0: Was that the late twenties by that point, or the thirties? Nineteen
1: twenty-eight. Nineteen twenty-eight. Yeah. So well, that that's, was, that's a lot of money. It was for Pretty back good then. money, yes. Yeah. But they had a super special on Saturdays. They had children's rides for a dollar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many mothers sent their kids up alone in a.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Anyway, they they also advertised flying instructions with U.S. government licensed ships and pilots. And they were, this was the Kankakee Airport. It was not known as, as Kerner. People probably possibly and most likely familiarly called it Kerner's Airport, but uh, officially it was the Kankakee Airport. I did not realize that. And uh, it still has a uh, an FAA designation today, 3KK, as opposed to, you know, ORD or what so forth like
0: that. Yeah, or uh, what is it, Midway is MDW. Mid, uh,
1: right? Yeah, MDW. Yeah. And the current Kankakee Airport is IKK.
0: Yes. <laughs> About a year
1: after that ad ran, there was another seemingly very important news story break. On the front page of the newspaper, there was a headline about a new airport to be built here. This was a company called Republic Aviation Corporation announced that it was going to— they had acquired a pretty good chunk of land in Pembroke Township. And they were going to build an aircraft manufacturing plant— and a big airport, which would be primarily, of course, their test airport and so forth for their aircraft, but they would also teach pilots there. It was very ambitious. They also uh, actually planned a subdivision or a town next to all of this called Air Harbor. Unfortunately, there was this thing called the Great Depression that actually had occurred—Black Friday was only a couple of days before they made this announcement— it never really got off the ground. I think they did some, you know, grading and so forth, but then they went belly up eventually. But it was pretty spectacular sounding. It would have been really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, to think that Pembroke would have had a its own airport and then a a, a manufacturing facility right. making the planes, that that's mm-hmm. cool. And especially since you think about it in the grand scheme of things, not too much longer after that would have been World War II. They could have exactly. been making World exactly. War II planes. They would have here. been, yes.
1: You know, even though it's, uh, economic times are kind of bad in the 30s, but uh, in 1932, the Kerners announced they were going to add a third large hangar to the airport. And they also plowed up. Regraded and planted new grass on their field, so they made a smoother, uh, more uniform field. That same period, 1931, I think that the Kerner's mayor, Delbert Kerner, particularly, may have pioneered something that uh, became later became a staple of things like uh, television news, and that was eye in the sky, thinking in terms of the O.J. Simpson. followed oh, the, the followed, chase and the being, fo- yeah. being followed by the helicopters and yep. so forth there was a bank robbery down in buckley illinois and a gang of robbers and in their escape attempts they killed a, an iroquois county deputy sheriff and they were running around the delbert got called in with his aircraft to try to chase down the or at least keep track of what was going on at some point the robbers stopped and one of the guys got out and ran into a cornfield and decided to try to escape that way. So, Delbert and a a Kankakee County deputy sheriff took to the air and flew down to that area and circled around and kept track of through this, cor, uh, this cornfield of where the the felon was running around and guided the the local deputies to the point where they could run him down
0: because <laughs> radio was working at that uh, point yes, right they least, were yeah. able to radio to Back and wh- forth, whoever yeah. was on the ground ground
1: to yes <laughs> Okay, he turned left in the third row or, or something like that. But yeah. anyway, they they contributed to the uh, law enforcement activity there and uh, established probably a, a whole new activity for pilots.
0: Yeah, <laughs> talk about an, an adrenaline rush there. I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be afraid they'd get their guns out and shoot at the wings of the plane or something. I would think so. <laughs> that would that would be what I would be afraid of. But <laughs> uh, apparently, he was okay though.
1: Apparently, after World War II. Began to get a lot of promotion going on, a lot of ideas in the area that we really need a bigger, more capable airport that could take big airplanes like the DC-3, <laughs> you know, which was the, kind of the standard aircraft for for uh, airlines, air, standard airliner right after the war. There was a great big supply of C-47. Cargo aircraft after the war, and of course, put seats in it, and becomes a DC three. <laughs> so there was agitation to uh, we need we need a bigger airport. The, the runway at the Kanki Airport, the Kerner Airport, was too short to take aircraft of that size. It
0: was meant for smaller It was meant
1: for yeah, you know, smaller single-engine planes or smaller in general. So there was quite a bit of activity, and up in 1946. A referendum was set up across the entire county to, in April 9th, to create a an entity called the Kanke County Airport Commission that would work to build an all-weather airport with paved runways and, et cetera, and so forth. It was kind of interesting, even though it was a county-wide balloting and it was a it was a a primary election, so there were you know polling places all over the place. They for some reason they restricted the number of polling places to eight for the entire county. And so you had strange combinations. Like for example, Kankkey Township, Limestone Township, Aroma, and Otto, all those voters had to come to the Kankke Public Library to cast their ballots. That sounds messed up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure why they came up with this very strange thing. And unfortunately, it didn't work as far as creating it the, the measure lost by a couple hundred votes. I think there were 1,442 votes in favor and 1,252 I'm sorry, 1,452 against and uh, 1,252 in favor of the airport. This was, most of the opposition came in the rural townships. The, the farmers didn't want to be taxed for this newfangled airport sort of thing because they didn't see any use for it. And uh, so it went down to defeat. The Whole idea of a, an all-weather airport went kind of dormant for almost a decade. In the mid 1950s, 1955, 56, you began to hear promotion again for we really, you know, need a we need an airport. We need a big airport, or a bigger airport, one that's up to date. It's all weather with paved runways because it's going to be a tool to attract industry and jobs here. And it's going to be, you know, something very important. They even, in one of the advertisements or editorial in the uh, Republican News, which was the newspaper at that time, I believe, one of the things they cited was, it's already cost us jobs. There was a big company that like 300 jobs, and I don't remember what kind of field it was in, that was seriously considering Kankakee. But ended up going to Danville because they had an airport that could support their needs.
0: They needed, so <clears throat> there were companies coming in, manufacturing companies that needed an airport to yeah. either get their cargo or send their cargo. A, was a, lot, that the... a lot
1: of it was more. Uh, to bring in corporate executives and take them out or to do various things. So it was more about people, actually. More about people than cargo, yeah. Very very few of the local industries had any kind of a, an air freight kind of... Okay. Uh,
0: so, a, so Kerner Airport wasn't really used for... Were there any executives like coming back and forth from Chicago? There were Chicago? probably some
1: in small in small planes, but not that I've seen any important, but I'm sure there must have been because in the immediate post-war up through the... Middle to late 1950s, we had an incredible boom here. We had, I think, A.O. Smith, Armstrong, a whole bunch of what are you know had some of us come and gone, but a lot of the bigger industries that were here for many years built here in in the 19 late 40s and 50s, and we also had a huge expansion of subdivisions for housing because you had all these returning veterans who were getting married and starting families. As a result of that, you also had, you know, schools being—new schools being built, other schools being expanded, parks being built, and so forth. So, the whole idea of expansion and new things was going on, and an airport fit right into that idea. So, another referendum came up, and this was in 1957, March 23, 1957. The strategy changed as far as the size of the airport district and— Instead of a a county-wide, it was actually the taxing district would have been a 36-square mile location, including Kankakee, Bradley, Bourbonnais, and what they called the surrounding industrial areas. So it was... Definitely much more urban and and pointed at the people who are going to use the airport
0: instead of the whole instead of the whole county. county.
1: So you didn't have a farmer from Essex who was going to vote against it. It's yeah, because like
0: what what good is it going to do for him? That's in right, Essex? exactly. Yeah.
1: So anyway, they brought this up and uh, got a a pretty good vote on it. They actually won by six hundred and four votes. Total turnout was well, let's see. The actual was twenty five hundred and sixty four yes and. Uh, 1960s, no, so it was closer than you would expect, but still enough votes to get it done. And so this was going to be the new airport authority, and they would have the ability to sell bonds, to raise taxes, and to acquire property to build airports, do anything relating to this. The governing body for this Kanke Valley Airport Authority uh, was a a five commissioners who were set up to. One of them would be named by the mayor of Kankakee, one by the village board president, Bradley, and the other three, the county judge would choose one one more person from Kanky or Bradley, and then two others from anywhere in the area that was served by this.
0: Is it still like that today? Yes. It's, oh, still, it still, it's still run still the by
1: same. the same uh, five commissioners and so forth, okay. although none of the originals are still alive. <laughs> well, you're but, right. Yeah. But as but, far yeah, as the— The organization is still the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still run the
0: same. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. The first board president for the Kanke Valley Airport Authority was a, a man named Joseph Burrs. And Joe was a— businessman. He owned Kanki Glass Company. And he was really kind of the guiding spirit and uh, promoter of establishing the Kanke Valley Airport, which is now called the Greater Kanki Airport. He was tireless. I remember when I came here in 63, that was after the airport was already operating, but Joe Burrs was Mr. Airport. I mean, t- <laughs> any time his name was mentioned, it was mentioned in connection with the airport. So anyway, the original plan, though, was... Still, to use Kerner Airport or the Kankakee Airport as the base, they were going to uh, acquire fifteen prominent business and industrial guys and men in Kankakee, threw in a thousand dollars each to build up a fund and put a down payment on a hundred and sixty-acre farm that was just north of of Kerner Airport, and the idea was, according to the you know initial stories, on that what they would do was eventually. Airport Authority would acquire Kerner Airport and then would take over the, the balance of money needed to, to fire uh, to pay off the 160 acre farm. And then the plan was that the airport itself, the paved runways, two paved runways, 3,800-foot runways, which are not very long by today's standards, but pretty good at that time because they could take DC-3s. And, well, it was longer than Kerner. Oh, definitely, yeah. Kerner, I think, it was 2,800 or 2,900, and a grass strip not paved. Yes. The two runways that were, would be built on the 160-acre the farm, and then they would make use of the existing hangars and buildings on the Kerner property to save money on operation when they got going.
0: And at this time, I'm curious, so uh, Kerner is technically, it was private, right? No, it was a private I mean, airport, and so still is a private, private ent- airport.
1: It's been a private yeah. airport for almost 100 years. In 2027, they'll celebrate their century. Okay. That was what so the plans were to, and of course, these were all weather runways they'd put down so they could do that. Well... Unfortunately, as is often the case when you have any kind of change, the opposition, a whole bunch of property owners in the surrounding area around the Kerner Airport filed suit maintaining there were a whole bunch of defects in the way that the paperwork for the referendum had been set up, and that, it, but there were, you know, that they were technically the election should be null and void because some of the things were illegal. Well, it worked its way through the courts. And... Uh, went on for almost two years, the legal battles on that. In January 1959, a big win for the airport authority, the state Supreme Court ruled that it was a perfectly legitimate, valid election and that the opposition was had no case. That meant things could move forward a bit. Yes. But not quite.
0: Of <laughs> course. <laughs> yeah, because we know that they didn't end up building next to Kerner. That's right.
1: Uh, and. Most of 1959 was taken up with different kinds of legislation, of litigation. Del Kerner, his brother Martin had died long since by that time, and the airport authority couldn't come to agreement on a price to buy the property, or at least the original plan was that the association would buy the property, but they would then hire or lease back to Del Kerner the oper- to be the operating entity for the airport. Well, somewhere along the line that, and the price didn't quite work out. And there was also a family named Bracken that had a pretty good-sized farm right just beyond, I think, just west of Kerner Airport that the airport authority was attempting to acquire by condemnation because they couldn't reach a price with them and so forth. But this went back and forth, of course, with more and more of the Rancor on various people's A part. A
0: lot of fighting.
1: Yeah, one of the issues that I think that was being objected to, in addition to uh, "you can't take my property," etc., was uh, they maintained that there was there was need to make the runways the proper distant length they would have to bridge a drainage ditch, a major drainage ditch there. And so it's concerned about, first of all, the cost of building the, the bridges to – a bridge or bridges to span the disk and also some environmental concerns about whether it would interfere with the, the crops, drainage yeah, right. of, of, and so forth.
0: Yeah, because well, where is the water going to go? <laughs> yeah, Yes, it's exactly. It's going to go in someone's field, right?
1: Exactly, rather than draining it, which it was supposed to. Yeah. But finally – I think the airport authority just threw up his hands and said, forget this. We're going to do something else. And on November 4th, 1959, they announced that they had bought a 600-acre plot of land east of Illinois 49 and south of what was then called the bypass, but what is now I-57. In other words, what is now the Kanke Valley Airport or Greater Kanke Airport, they just Said, "Okay, we've had enough. We're not going yeah, to fight gonna... with this anymore." Yeah, and so uh, Del Kerner and his family went back to running their business, which they've done very successfully for so long, and, for many years. At that, yes, point. yes, and they still, you know, they they're a very active operation out there.
0: So the Sports, Greater Kankakee Airport, they uh, buy six hundred acres, and this is by that time nineteen sixty or nineteen fifty.
1: 1950, 1959, November yeah. 4th,
0: 1959. So they probably didn't begin construction until 1960, I assume. They
1: right? broke ground on May 18th, 1961, and construction began a week later. Yeah, you know, the first contracts were awarded uh, almost immediately after. Oh, by and, in 1951, a contractor from Thornton Gallagher Asphalt, who does a lot of work around this area, bid 270 thousand dollars to build the runways, taxiways, and all the other assorted structures, everything except the buildings out there, and they began work almost immediately. They would build a 2,900-foot paved runway, and then there was a, a shorter crosswind runway that was added later, I think. On uh, June 7, 1961, another award for to a company up in Northbrook to build the office building, the first hangars there. And so while this was going on, actually the first operation at the airport was March of 1962. And no big deal at that time. They just started operating and kind of the big event was October 28th, 1962, and they had dedication ceremonies. And that was pretty much a big deal. (laughs) The usual gaggle of politicians, (laughs) et cetera, and business leaders. State
0: representatives and— all that stuff. The big
1: kahuna was a Kerner, but no relation to the Kerners. It was Governor Otto Kerner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think he's related or spells the name differently and so forth. And, of course, Kankakee's own lieutenant governor, Sam Shapiro. Sam introduced the governor who spoke relatively briefly for a politician, I guess, but had a neat announcement that made everybody happy there. He said the, the state was going to kick in some money so that... Uh, They could uh, lengthen the main runway to by eleven hundred feet, which would make it uh, four thousand feet long, which would make it much more capable for larger aircraft. So that was a big thing. And there's also a crosswind runway of twenty nine hundred feet, and that's still I think that's longer now than it was. The event itself drew quite a few people because they also did uh, air shows, or two air shows, jets from the. Chinook Air Force Base did a flyover and some maneuvering and so forth. And then there was a uh, a private air show company called uh, Cole Brothers Air Show. Uh, they were flying prop planes, I suspect, and did uh, aerobatics and all that sort of thing. And the Westview High School Band, I believe, or Kanke High School. No, it was probably Westview High School. No, that was that would have been Kankey High School because the two schools were not— uh, Schools in the district weren't built until later in the 60s.
0: Okay. So it wasn't split then yet. Right. Yeah, it was still okay. Kankakee
1: High School. So, so anyway, now we have an airport, and it's coming along rather nicely with traffic in and out. But next item on on the agenda of the airport is a commission, which was to get a passenger, regular scheduled airline, to start picking up and delivering passengers in Kankakee. There from had been
0: Chicago? From or, Chicago, yeah,
1: yeah. Or anywhere, to Tennessee, to Chicago, or almost any place. There was some interest from an Lake, uh, Lake Central Airlines, and later from Ozark, and they sort of, you know, had some interest, but th- that required federal approval and so forth, and that sort of thing, too. So, in uh, January of 67, a bunch of local officials flew down to Lawrenceville, Illinois, aboard two DC-3 aircraft, which were the first DC-3s to land at the airport, apparently. One of them was loaned by Ozark, and the other belonged to General Mills. And they loaded up the local influential types and flew down to Lawrenceville to a uh, Civil Aeronautics Board hearing on a possibility of providing passenger service to Kanky and several other Illinois airports. That didn't really result in anything happening. But finally, in January 1, 1968, was the first passenger flight into Kankakee, a small airline called Air Wisconsin. That was their initial flight into Kankakee on New Year's Day of 68. They picked up three passengers at O'Hare, flew them down to Kankakee, Initially, originally, it was supposed to be a big deal. They were going to have the dedication or, you know, big ceremony on the 1st of January. Unfortunately, Air Wisconsin at that point was in the middle of an expansion. Uh, they Their headquarters is Appleton, Wisconsin. And in the their initial operation, they flew from Appleton to Chicago, and that was it. Well, they were expanding to Kankakee, but they were also expanding to Wausau, Wisconsin, and to Milwaukee. So, we ended up as the the last last of the three to get dedication or a, you know a big welcome. Officials of Air Wisconsin had to go to ceremonies in Milwaukee and Wausau first, but on the third of January, all of a sudden we had we were an airport with passenger service. Air Wisconsin flew fifteen passenger prop jets, little. I don't remember what brand they were, but they were relatively small, but they were a a regional air taxi kind of aircraft. On the 3rd of January... The uh, yeah, that was where the Westview High School band was.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. West, Westview High sense. School
1: band played on Wisconsin, of course, as the the aircraft from Chicago landed at the airport. Yeah. So, uh,
0: so did were there flights just to other places in the Midwest, or just the other ports, <laughs> or just the other airports that they? Man, head service. Just to. the ones that they operated. Which so that would have been Appleton,
1: Appleton, Milwaukee, Wausau, and Chicago, and, and Chicago, and, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. okay. and of course. The primary interest here was Chicago. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Flying in and out of O'Hare. Yeah. There weren't very many people here that needed to go to Wausau, Wisconsin by air.
0: <laughs> no, they're like, why would I want to go to Wausau? Yes. That's right.
1: <laughs> Good place for an insurance company or something like that. I remember what they <laughs> right. were famous for. Something like that. But the ceremonies... Uh, were actually held inside. They originally was planned to be out in front of the hangar, but the weather was kind of cruddy, so they ended up moving it inside, and you had the usual politicians and Air Wisconsin executives all speaking and so forth. Initially, the schedule was four flights daily between Kenki and Chicago on weekdays, three on Saturdays, and two on Sundays. That's not bad. Oh no, and this went along fairly well for a while.
0: Uh, did you ever do that yourself? No, I never no. had. Or knew anyone that did? No, uh,
1: I did know a few people who you were know, business types suits. I flew out of uh, out of Kankakee and one of and one of Roper's planes. Oh wow! Years later, down to to Nashville, Tennessee, for a, I was doing some work for Roper, and they were having their an annual board meeting down there, and wanted me to come along to. Run a slide, an audiovisual operation at this program at the thing, so so I got a chance to get, experience private aviation, which was cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: sure that was cool, but you don't know anyone that did uh, the Wisconsin. No, era. but there
1: were quite a few local people who did. I think, unfortunately, not enough. It was the problem, of course. In uh, March of 1968, they broke ground for the waiting room ticket. Processing office type building that is still the primary building at the airport now for their operations, and that was uh, a sixty-eight thousand dollar job. It was pretty good, and one of the local contractors got it, which was nice. <laughs> but uh, by December seventh of nineteen seventy, apparently the original agreement with Air Wisconsin was for what I guess a two-year operation, and it was going to expire on the uh, 1st of January 1971. And apparently, there, the passenger load had not met their expectations, so there were noises. They were going to just go ahead and let it drop and cancel out. Well, negotiations went on, and they actually extended it for six months. But I think somewhere around June 30th, 1971, uh, Air Wisconsin stopped serving Kankakee. I tried to find in, any indication in the newspaper around that time, but I couldn't find one, so I don't know whether it just quietly died out or whether maybe they even ended it before the end of that six months and I just didn't run across it. Yeah,
0: it, I mean, it could be that it was not being used that much, so... Yeah, there was really not was,
1: enough revenue being generated
0: there. Not enough revenue, so it might have just it's kind of slipped under yeah, the radar that's right. and not been reported and made it in the newspapers at all because no one... I <laughs> was using it, I guess.
1: Yeah. It was amazing, too. Last night I was doing, so I needed to track down something relating to Air Wisconsin for today. And I thought, I'll eh, look that up and see. They're still in existence. It's amazing. Really? They're not only still in existence, they are huge. <laughs> they I never want to guess. They have, for a number of years, been flying for uh, as a, uh, a regional carrier for United and serving like 90-some cities in the Midwest and wow. Washington, D.C., which amazed me. I figured they had just quietly gone out of business. Like well, of course, most airlines. You don't, air yeah, you don't yeah. see the name Air Wisconsin because they're operating as United Express or whatever. But anyway, we, we survived not having passenger service. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Although yeah. I would have taken advantage of it. That sounds oh, yeah. really cool to be able to go to the Kankakee Airport, airport
1: and fly, you know, fly 20 Chicago. minutes or 25 minutes later, you're landing at O'Hare. You yeah. Know. But, yeah, that would would be very cool. But, unfortunately, it didn't. But the airport survived quite happily, actually. Oh, interesting. The Greater Kank Airport actually had a bit part in a major motion picture. Steve McQueen's last film, The Hunter, which was the story of a bounty hunter and so forth, was filmed—a lot of it was filmed here in this area. One lengthy scene that I remember, a fairly lengthy scene, was— aircraft landing at Greater Kentucky Airport, which I think supposedly was in Minnesota or something, if I remember correctly. And I know that Rusk Aviation, Willard Rusk and his family ran the—actually operated the airport under contract. And so, one of Willard's sons, and I forget the name, actually got to be in the movie. He was the baggage
0: handler. (laughs) And that was what, 1980. Oh, that, was not, that wasn't until 1980. For 1980, some reason,
1: I thought that was the 70s. No, it was, uh, yeah, 1980. In 1983, uh, the FAA announced that they were closing down a couple of flight service stations, one at Rockford and one in DuPage County, and building a new one in Kankakee County at Kankakee Airport. The flight service station is uh, primarily deals with private aircraft, but handles weather, information, flight planning, navigational systems, and so forth, and and it's still in operation out there. A fairly important thing, to, and it deals with basically northern Illinois. I guess the basic thing is keeping airplanes from running into other airplanes and so forth. Well, that's important. Very important. And uh, another big step forward, and anybody who uh, probably— spends any time south of Court Street and east or west of the airport, uh, is very familiar with large black helicopters flying around. Yeah, UHB-60 Blackhawks. In 2013, construction began on the Army Aviation Flight Facility and Readiness Center in at, on the kanki Airport. And that basically, once it was completed in 2017, houses uh, three Army Air National Guard or Air National Guard units, uh, helicopter flyers, and it keeps them very busy.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to see them in action. I've Mm -hmm. seen them several times, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you see two or all three of them up at the same time. There are 10 of them there. There's ten. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but I've ten seen, or even more. Maybe I, okay. I thought I
1: saw something about sixteen
0: at one point. But oh, I, wow. at least I didn't 10. realize there were that many. I've, I've seen at least two or three. Yeah, they together. Do a lot of training flights. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's quite something to see those. Yeah,
1: I live directly east of the airport in Rome Park, or so or near Rome
0: Park. So you so, see them quite yeah, often.
1: Yeah, I kind of hear the hear the beating sound and. And look up to the west, and yep, there it goes. <laughs> yeah,
0: I see them from here sometimes too. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's yeah. really cool to see. It keeps the the legacy of the airport That's going, what, right?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of an aviation nut anyway. I've always <laughs> liked airplanes and that sort of thing. And yeah, uh,
0: and with that being said, are since they're housed there, doesn't that kind of make the security tighter at the airport since I they've see, got the military operation there now? It's possible, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, they used to be at Midway and got booted out of Midway because they needed the space for uh private—not private aviation, but air airplane—airline operation. Yeah, I would guess there's probably—you uh, probably don't want to be trying to—yeah wander in and around that property.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would just imagine there's tighter security yeah. there with yeah. the—you It's you said that it's National Guard, technically, right? Yeah, Air National right? Guard. A, yeah, yeah, since the Air National Guard yeah. is there.
1: I would think so. Well, we don't have to deal with any TSA questions or anything because we no. don't have any passengers. <laughs> Although we do—we yeah. are certified for charter flights coming in and, and going out and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, today, the Greater Kankakee Airport, which, as I mentioned, has the FAA symbol IKK. I think at one time, and I've never been able to determine whether it's still there, there were some buildings along, around Kankakee that had IKK painted on the roof, which is not uncommon around airports pointing to where the airport is. Currently, the airport handles like 50,000 flight operations a year, average of, I think, 136 or so a day. And a lot of that is private aviation. Some of it is the helicopters. Others are, you know, corporate aircraft come in and out still. They just—I don't know if they're any based here anymore, but they still—
0: Well, I think about it. We've got CSL bearing. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if CSL has some— Yeah, they cause might have some— Because that's a huge company. Oh, they're a huge company. That's correct. I mean, worldwide. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they've got flights coming in and out of oh, there. Yeah.
1: And you still have the— old General Mills operation down south of town, I forget what it's called now, but it's a, a chemical operation south of Kankakee. And, you know, various other...
0: Yeah, I'm sure if you come to think of it, there's there's probably some others that you would oh, yeah. consider might have some...
1: Yeah, so we do get corporate flights in and out, I'm sure. And uh, currently the main runway is 5,981 feet long, which is sufficient to take jet aircraft and the smaller jets actually probably most full-size corporate jet type of thing, business jets. And I think they can handle aircraft the size of like 737s that uh, Southwest and all the other airlines fly. The crosswind runway is 4,398 feet. So they've got two pretty good-sized runways there. They can take a lot of aircraft. Yeah. So I think, you know, Kenkey would be certainly— uh, Less well off in terms of its prestige and its capability and attractiveness to both corporate operations and individuals wanting to move here. There's, I said, the average person says, "Oh, I, we don't have much to do with the airport." But if you think about it, it probably does.
0: There are, some, I know they they have some events out there sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, they used to do one. Uh, I think it was. I don't know if it was Veterans Day or what it was, but they used to. Clause for patriotism? Yeah. Yeah. Does that still
1: exist every year? I think it does, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. I know that I was out there on the air, on the airport grounds for a uh, an air show the day the Crescent City blew up.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Because
1: <laughs> so I remember, I don't think there were any announcements that there were all these sirens and more sirens and more sirens and so forth. And I think yeah. finally somebody got the word what it was. I don't know if they... Shut down the airport at the what time. What year that? did
0: that happen? I don't
1: remember. Oh, it seems like seventy-nine, maybe, or somewhere in there. But I don't remember. I've, I've written about it, but I don't remember. Yeah.
0: Pause for patriotism, though. I, that's that's the event I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. I can't remember what time of year that took place. I don't remember either. It, but it may I do have been around Labor Day or the Fourth of July. Or something something or like that, and. I know they gave people the opportunity to fly in like a B-17 or oh, some. Oh, those are the uh,
1: periodic commercial ventures that have old aircraft, you know, B-17s From World War II, and yeah. World War II aircraft come every couple of years or so. They fly in and, yeah, you can uh, you can tour them on the ground or if you want to pay a fairly healthy chunk of money, you can actually fly in one.
0: Yeah, and they are loud. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: so loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when, one of those times I was coming down Law Road heading home and could hear, and I think it was a B-17, and it just right overhead and it, it lined up for the air, and I thought, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine, like World War II, when there were hundreds of these aircraft in— at one time filling the sky
0: yeah i can only imagine the the pollution and the noise and all of that all that things yeah in addition to all the other problems well you're right all the other things yeah
1: (laughs) well i think i've about run out of material as as usual (laughs) i've wandered all over the map oh
0: that's okay i uh it's fascinating to learn a little bit more about kerner airport and the greater kankakee airport and how the greater kankakee airport came to be so thank you for that jack
1: My pleasure, and uh, I hope that your listeners uh, find themselves more aware of what's going on with the airport business. I
0: I hope so. It just makes me actually want to learn more. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, in the future to expect a little more in-depth on either the Kerner Airport or even the greater Kankakee Airport. But as always, we just want to remind everyone to take a stroll through the Kankakee County Museum when you get the chance or the French Heritage Museum. You can always learn more at kankakeecountymuseum.com. There's uh, Facebook and Instagram pages for both of them. Some of the upcoming events, again, you have the Allen Hampshire Art Show. That is February 25th. The Breakfast Club, which is a children's book club. I think it's the Read... America books that they're covering. That possible, I, I can't remember the name of the series, but that's happening January 28th, February 25th, March 25th, and then April 22nd. You have date night at the museum coming up if you don't have Valentine's Day plans. The museum's got that covered for you because you can just have date night at the museum on February 11th, and then the Secret Life of Postcards book club and meet the author event. That's on February 18th. So again, you no, want to get more. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was
1: going to say Melanie Holmes is a, Melanie Holmes is, is the an author, excellent author and a very interesting person. As she does a good program, and I would urge anybody who's interested in knowing more about postcards and how they have came about and how they trace history. And uh, just well worthwhile to go ahead and see uh, Melanie's
0: program. Yeah, Melanie is uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge just like yourself, Jack. And a, um, and
1: a native of Mantino.
0: And a native of Mantino, yes. <laughs> so, KankakeeCountyMuseum.com for all of those things. And uh, thanks again, Jack. Thank you, sir. Well, that wraps up this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Kankakee Podcast is proudly presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses, celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. You can learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Lori Craycho, Karen Bishop, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Veronica Featherston, John Sullivan, Sue Hornung, Samantha Rognowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Nolan Bukowski, Natalie Flagell, Carl Earps, Jeff, and Rosa Carroll Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to KankakeePodcast.com, then click on the Patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode of Kankakee Podcast. There's also access to extended versions of episodes, video versions, and much more. Our theme song is written and performed by Lupe Carroll and recorded by Daniel Bishop. This river carries on